All right, it's officially summertime, so do you know what that means? It means we get to go climb mountains and stuff. Who, who in here has ever climbed a mountain? I don't know why my hand's up. I've never actually climbed a mountain. Have we, have we summited anything? Okay, we've climbed on mountains, but we've never gone to the top of a mountain. Actually, yes, Turkey Mountain. I've been on top of that thing many of times. I am a mountain climber. But do you know what else summer makes me think about? Hide and go seek. Who, how many of you guys like to play hide and go seek as a kid? Right? All right, be honest. Who still likes to go play hide and go seek? True. Raise your hand higher. We know you like playing hide and go seek. We've got evidence of that all around the church. I'm just kidding, Trey. You're not the only one who breaks things. Well, hide, hide and go seek. But, okay, so think about hide and go seek. What is the most important thing about hide and go seek? Okay, it's, but staying quiet. That's if you're the one hiding. What if you're the one seeking? What's the most important thing, knowing? How do you find people? You, you guys are not on the same wavelength as me tonight. You have to know who you're looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, who you're looking for, you're never going to find them, right? Like, have you guys ever played that one where only one person's hiding and everyone is looking for them? Like, what's that called? Is that sardines? Oh, yeah, and then you got to hide with them? Now, what if everybody didn't know who they were looking for? Like, they were just wandering around. Like, maybe you would, you would stumble upon them and be like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be underneath you, but maybe that's someone else seeking and they're just tricking you. If you don't know who you're looking for, it's going to be really hard to find who you're looking for if you don't know who you're looking for. So here's a question for you. Did you know that God not only wants us to seek after him, but he also wants us to know him so we know who it is that we are seeking so tonight we're starting a new series. It's called Climb the Mountain. We're going to get into the whole mountain part of that next week. But it's important that we first establish a baseline of who God is so that we know who we are seeking. Because if we don't know who God is, then it's going to be really hard for us to want to seek after him, to put in that effort, to, to want to love and serve, serve him. So to know who we are seeking, to know about God, let's go to the very beginning of the Bible. Who knows the first verse of the Bible? All right, Tucker, since you're my assistant today. That's not the first verse. That's the first part of the first verse. Okay, go ahead and help him out, Joe. What is it? In the beginning, God. Boom. You got, you got that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that is first and foremost important to know who God is. God is first the creator he is the creator of everything. So think about it. The stars we see in the air, the air that we breathe, the trees that we climbed as a kid, the th everything. Like Think about what everything means. God created it. God is the creator. But God is also the sustainer. God created everything, but he is also the one that's holding everything together. We don't serve a God that just made the earth and just walked away. Like, there's some people who believe that God created the universe and then he just stepped back and let it, let it work itself out. That's called deism. That's like as, as if a clock or a clockmaker makes a clock and the clock just works by itself and so the clockmaker just walks away and the clock just keeps doing what it's doing. It, it works by itself. That's not the God that we serve. We believe that God created everything, but that he is also actively involved in keeping everything working. 
the Bible also says that he is the one that holds everything together. Like think about all the atoms and the molecules that keep everything together. God is the one who is keeping those things together. Like the, the atoms in your chair that are bonded together, that are keeping you from falling, those are bonded because God is allowing them to be. Every atom, every molecule is held together by the will and power of God. In Colossians chapter 1, it's talking about Jesus as, as God, as the creator of everything. And it says that Jesus is before all things, and by him all things hold together. So God is the creator, and he is the sustainer. So let's go to Psalms chapter 24. This is the chapter that we're going to be in for this entire series. So we're just going to do a couple verses from this chapter each week. So we're going to look at the first two verses of this. Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, it says, The earth and everything in it, the world and in its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid the foundation of the seas, and he established it on the rivers. So we see here that God, he laid the earth's foundation. He established everything. So here again, we see that God is the creator. And because he is the one who created everything, he is the one who everything belongs to. Like, you get it? Like, he owns everything. Because God made everything, he owns everything. Like, in your second grade art class, when you made that little painting with your hands, like, you were the owner of that when you were done. Because like you created it, so that, now that is your painting. You are the owner. It belongs to you until you give it to your grandparents to put on their fridge, right? Like, that's, that's the same thing with everything. God created everything, so everything belongs to him. But here's, a, here's an awesome part of that. Or actually, let's go back to the everything part. What do you think of when you think of creation? Like when I say creation, God created everything. Like what's the, what things come to mind? Start, start naming some things out. Nature, okay. What about nature? Everything, okay. What about everything? Trees and, and animals, water, mountains, money, Okay. The atmosphere. So when we think of God creating everything, we think of those things. Here's a quick question. Are you guys a mountain person or a beach person? Like if you had to go on vacation, you want to go? No, you have to pick one. Beach? Like when you, do you want to go to a forest or the ocean? Like a forest? All right. Who, who in here is like a mountain, foresty, kind of let's go hiking kind of person? Okay, who here is an ocean person? Like, let's go to the beach. No, mountain people all the way. As you can tell, I wear a different mountain shirt every single day. But God created all of it. So whether you want to go to the beach, whether you want to go to the mountains, think about God as the creator of it. But everything also belongs to him. So whenever we say that we are seeking God, we are seeking the very one who created everything that we can and cannot see. Because there's things that we can't see that even God created. We think of heaven. God created that. We think of things in, in the other parts of the universe that we can't even see. God is so big and massive. He even created things that we can never even discover. Everything literally belongs to him. And there's not one thing that he didn't create. But you're thinking like, okay, this is cool. Like I know about Genesis 1.1, like God created everything. But, but what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with what I'm going through at home? 
What like the the anxiety, the 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 sense that I don't I don't feel worthy. Like what does it have to do with what I'm feeling on the inside? The fact that God created everything. Here's what that has to do. Isaiah chapter forty three, verse one. This is a really good Bible passage. That's all I'm going to say about it. But in Isaiah chapter 43, God, he is speaking prophetically to the nation of Israel as they are heading into exile, or they are already in exile. And so God's speaking to a whole nation. Think about a people group. And so when God's speaking to them, he, whenever it says Jacob and Israel, so he's speaking to a whole nation. But because of what Jesus did for us, this passage is also speaking directly to us. So you can't do this a lot in the Bible because we know who God is speaking to. He's speaking to Israel. But imagine, because Jesus died for us, that whenever you hear the word Israel, whenever you hear the word Jacob, imagine that God is speaking this to you. Now this is, in Isaiah chapter 40, now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So we know God is the creator. But God isn't just the creator of everything. He is also the creator of every one. God created you. God formed you. We read in other parts of the body, someone's praying to God and say, God, even before I was knit together, even before I was born, you were knitting me together in my mother's womb. So think about even before you were born, God was creating you. He was forming you. And here's the cool thing. Not only did God create you, but because God is perfect and because God does not make mistakes, he did not make a mistake when he created you. You are not a mistake. You are on earth for a purpose. I don't care what anyone has maybe said to you. I don't care what the devil's whispered to you when you looked in the mirror. You are not a mistake. God knows why you are here because he created you for a purpose. It wasn't your parents that created you. They had a part in that, yes. But it was God who was forming you to make sure that you were here on earth for a reason. And God has a reason and a purpose for every single one of you. And that's for good works. That's for good things. And God wants to reveal those to you. But you have to first understand that you are not a mistake. God loves you exactly the way that he created you to be. We also see that in Isaiah chapter 43, that not only did God create us, he formed us, but he is also the one who redeems us. To redeem means to buy back. Like if you have coupons, you get in the mail, like those Taco Bueno coupons. Uh, Pastor Matt, he brings those to, to the church every single week. And so we take those to, uh, to Bueno and we redeem those coupons. So we, we buy those back. We get discounts and we go to town on that Bueno. But to redeem means to buy back. That means whenever we are broken and lost, God buys us back. He, he restores us. That's why Christianity is so good. Like when you think of other religions, all the other religions say that you have to redeem yourself. You have to work your way up to God. You have to become a good person to clean yourself up. You have to do all these good things. You have to redeem yourself and then maybe God will accept you. That's what every single religion besides Christianity says, that you have to do that. Christianity says 
almost the exact opposite. It says that God worked his way to us. God, we don't have to work our way up to God. God came down from heaven in the form of Jesus, and he is the one who redeems us. Any mistake that we can make is not outside of God's ability to redeem. God is always willing to redeem you, to restore you, to, to forgive you, to restore you to the image in which he created us, which is his own. And that's the purpose of, of Christianity. That's the purpose of coming to God. We, we know that it's to become like Jesus. But before we ever do that, the purpose is to be reformed into God's image. We talk about this all the time, that when, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image. They were perfect. They were sinless. They were false. They were living in the presence of God. And then sin comes into the world and it deforms them. Sin comes and it corrupts the human body. So now there's sickness. Now there's corruption. Now there's decay. And now there is death. That's not what God created us for. God created us to live forever in his presence. And so that's what Christianity now is all about. It's reforming us into who God created us to be, which is in God's image. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You've heard this verse before because it says, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So that means that whenever you repent and you turn from your old life because God's grace and God's mercy and you say yes to Jesus, you make him the Lord and Savior. That means you become God's masterpiece. We know what that means. A masterpiece is like a work of art. Like whenever like a famous artist paints somebody, uh, like the Mona Lisa. Did you guys see that someone threw a cake at the Mona Lisa this week? That is that person's masterpiece. And someone just threw a cake at it. Like that's not, that's messed up. But think about it. Like we are that to God. We are a masterpiece. So when you say yes to Jesus and you're coming back to God and you're being recreated in his image, you become his prized possession. He is showing you off to the angels in heaven. He's saying, look at what I recreated. They were dead and now they are alive. They were broken and now they are whole. This is my masterpiece. Like the, the God say, saying to the angels in heaven, like, look, look at what I've done to Tucker. Like, do you know who he was before? Now look at him. Okay, that, never mind. That was supposed to be a joke, guys. But going our own way, apart from God, you are a masterpiece, Tucker. Look at you. God is showing you. If God had a fridge, your face would be on it. That's how much God wants to show you off. Go. Yes, it is a big fridge. God does have a fridge with your name on it. He has a fridge for every single person. Nope. You are God's masterpiece. And that, that's what God... Whenever you say yes to him and you're being recreated in that, God wants to show you off. God's saying, look at what I've done. Going our own way apart from God, whenever we do our own thing and we, we disregard what God has to say for our own life, that only leads to death. But being recreated anew in Jesus, we become God's masterpiece. And so in Isaiah chapter 43, it continues. This is more promises to you when you say yes to Jesus. This says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. You will walk through the fire. You will not be scorched. And the flame will not burn you. 
For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you in nations instead of your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather them from the west. Again, God, is he's, he's speaking directly to Israel in this. But these things in this passage are also true for you. God is saying, when you walk through the water, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, and fire will come, you will go through fire. You will go through tough times. God is saying that you will not burn because God loves you. And not only would he not give up the nations for your life, he also gave up his one and only son so that you could live in his presence forever. So we're going back to God created everything. What does it have to do with me? So that fear and that anxiety and that loneliness and that depression and that guilt and that sense of shame and that that sense of I'm never going to be good enough. God is saying to that do not fear for I am with you. We don't have to hide our past and our guilt from God because God cares for you. He says it over and over again. Cast your cares on, on God because God cares for you. We don't have to hide our insecurities and we don't have to hide our anxieties. We don't have to hide our pride because God cares for you. And whenever you seek him, he will be there for you 24-7. That is the God that we are seeking after. He is the one who deserves our praise and our worship if the band will go ahead and come back. That's the God that we serve. Whenever we seek him, he will be found by us. I didn't put this verse on the screen. But sometimes we're thinking, like, okay, this is true. God created everything, sure. God holds everything together. I believe that. God even created me. Okay, but, but whenever I, it feels like when I want to seek after God, it feels like he doesn't hear me. It feels like whenever I pray, I'm just talking to myself. It feels like whenever I'm praying, like, as if the prayer could just bounce off the ceiling. It's not getting through. God, does God hear me? God hears you because God says that when you seek me and you seek me with all of your heart, Now that's the devil right there. Let me pull up that verse for you because this is powerful. You guys have heard Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. That's one of my favorite. It's, this is this is my favorite verse. The whole thing, you know. You want to know what my favorite verses? Open up, pick a verse. Let this speak over to you. If that's you, you feel like God, God doesn't care. God is, God is not listening. For I know the plans I have for you. Again, God's speaking to the nation of Israel, but imagine he's speaking to you. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a hope and a future. You will call to me. 
and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. He's not saying if, he's not saying when. He says you will pray. And when you pray, I will listen. He says you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. That whenever you pray, God promises that he hears you. That whenever you seek him, he promises that you will find him. When? How? When you seek him with all of your heart. How do we seek him? Like what gives us that motivation? It's whenever you realize just how good God is. Not just that he's real. Not just whenever you learn facts about God. But whenever it truly affects you that God cares about you. That God created you for a purpose. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to create you to be a new person. Whenever that becomes more than facts and you actually experience that life change, that's whenever you will find God. That's whenever you will have the motivation to begin to seek after him, to begin to want to worship him and praise him because it seems too good to be true because it is too good to be true. And the only response to that, the natural response to that is to seek after him. It's to praise him. It's to say, God, I'm not worthy. It's to say that the, the, the lyrics to the song, literally, I, God, all I want is you. God, I don't want nothing else. All I want is you because everything else will leave you hungry. Everything else will leave you thirsty, but, the, but God, that is the only thing that can truly satisfy. So God created you for a purpose. You are not a mistake. We make mistakes, but God redeems us. So tonight, decide in your heart that you're going to seek after God because God will hear you and God will listen to you. Seek him with your whole heart. Seek him with everything that you have. Because God gave it all to you, so why would we not give it all to him? So I want you guys to seek him tonight. But before we get to that, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never made that decision to, to follow after him, to make him your Lord and your Savior, but you want to, you want to be, make that true for you, you want it to be when you walk through the waters that God will be with you. That when you walk through fire that you will not burn. You want to be saved. You want to be forgiven. You want that to be true for your life, but you've never made that decision. I want you to raise your hand tonight so we can pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up. But you don't want to make that commitment to follow after God. And you want it to be real. I want you to raise your hand.